Hey guys, good to see you this morning. We're uh, in a message series we started last weekend called Mass Exodus. It's the story of Moses. A lot of you, we're probably familiar with this story because we watched TV, right? We didn't read the Bible, but we did watch TV and uh, saw the Ten Commandments and the plagues and the, you know, all cool stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in the life of Moses that we may not realize, but he's an amazing leader and a great uh, uh, deliverer. And his story started last weekend with a couple of women who were uh, not even related to him, Shifra and Pua, who were brave women who were midwives who delivered babies uh, for the nation of Israel. They were told specifically, do not allow baby boys to live. And they refused to do what Pharaoh said. And so they're risking their own lives, uh, but, uh, but they, wouldn't, they would not kill baby boys. Moses' mom has a baby boy, obviously, and so they, uh, they deliver the baby, and mom hides the baby for three months, tries to make sure the baby's calm and quiet, you know, certainly during daytime, but they, but, uh, they realize this three-month-old baby ain't going to stay quiet, and so she puts him in a basket, throws, puts him in, a, in the river, and uh, just trusts God at that moment. And uh, crazy stuff, the Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, wants the baby, wants to adopt the baby, and uh, does so years later, in which so Moses now grows up in a palace, and he is living a life of luxury and of great opulence. He has the best food, the best education. He is going to the best schools, and he's learning about architecture and math and science and nutrition. He's learning about philosophy and law and he truly is enjoying this incredible life and he probably didn't think you know what uh in fact here's probably what he he thought i'm never going to use this stuff right, you ever go to college like this is still, like why am i taking this class because little did he know that someday he'd have to be the leader of a nation you know he's just going to be a pharaoh and tell people what to do and that was great but he did not realize that someday he would be lawgiver and he would be judge and he would be an archi- he would be a writer and he would need all these things and oftentimes when we're going through stuff like that in education we have no idea that that perhaps someday that God would call on me uh and need my very best for, for instance, this week here at our church, we needed a lawyer, we needed a, a building manager and a construction person, we needed a CPA, we need all kinds of people who you typically don't think, I don't think God's ever going to use me in any way possible to do anything of significance. And, and uh, I just want to tell you right now that, that who you are and what you've learned, all that stuff can be used for God. In fact, I want to tell you this. It, if you think that you got your degree and you got your stuff so that you can make money, you're wrong. Now, you should be making money. There's no doubt about it. There's like, okay, hey. Uh, but there's got to be more than that. There has to be more than that. Many of you are making a lot of money and you're just like, I don't even know why I'm making money. It's like, you know, you got these jobs and you did this educational thing and you, you're good at stuff like that. But you're going, I don't know, you know why I'm doing this. For instance, you met, we heard our host talk today about uh, trips to Mexico and India and all those kind of things. And, uh, and here's, what, here's who you do not want to, building houses in Mexico. This is who you do not want. Preachers. You don't want a preacher building a house in Mexico. We don't know anything about building a house. We, we know how to pray and read the Bible and t- talk about it, right? It's like, uh, so what, what do we do when we get to Mexico? We pray. 
please, God, let this stay up. That's it. That's all we know what to do. We look at some plans and go, in fact, I, I've told you this before. If it says on the box, some assembly required, I don't buy it. I don't know how to do it. It's like, I look at it like, we are not going to be able to put this gas grill together, are we? No. So I have to call some friends of mine who know how to do that. And here's what I say. Hey, uh, I need some marriage counseling. Can you put my gas grill together for me? This is going to save my marriage. Because we don't know what to do. It's terrible. So when we go to Mexico, who do we want to go? And we want everybody to go. But there's a couple of people who really want to go. Guys who know how to do construction. Women who know how to do construction. If you know how to do construction, it's like, please go. Because you're going to be a rock star down there. I, here's what I want in Mexico. I want the best looking slab we can build, right? And we do. We have people who are uh, building custom homes in Omaha, Nebraska. Multi, ridiculous stuff. And, and they're going down there to build an 11 by 22 foot shed that we put up a wall in and say, here's the bedroom and here's the living room. But I tell you what, they now know why they made multi-million dollar houses. So they can go to Mexico and build an 11 by 22 house for Maria. And they come alive. Because now they know why they took that stupid class in school. Because not to make money, but to make a, a difference. You can do that. Sometimes I hear people like we we find out people have uh, they have a master's degree in education. You know what do we say to them? We need you to teach Sunday school class. And sometimes we get pushback because this is we we hear this like, well, I do that every day, right? But you're really good at it. You got a master's degree. You know how to do a classroom, put a plan together, and deal with uh, you know ridiculous kids. And not that we have them here. But you know how to do that, right? And some of the, and, and so we need you. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do it. You don't want to do that for God, because really, when when you connect the dots for a kid, and they fall in love with Jesus because you had such a creative lesson plan, you will now know why you went through those classes. It wasn't to make money; it was to make a difference. We all can do those things. So here's Moses. He didn't even know why he's in those classes at school at the University of Egypt, but he's taken them. And someday God's going to call on him and say, kind of need you right now, Prince of Egypt. So check out what happens here in Exodus chapter 2. Many years later, so it's, this is actually 40 years later. Moses is 40 years old. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, Moses is the first millennial. He's still in his parents' house at 40. He hadn't even grown up yet. <laughs> like, really? When are you going to leave? As soon as you die. This is mine. I'm not leaving. Right? <laughs> this is great. Why would I leave? So Moses now has grown up, which is every parent's dream. And he went out to visit his own people. So somehow, he said, the Hebrews, like, visit his own people, the Hebrews. Now, we'll know how he found out. 
that he was an Egyptian. But he's not, and he knows it. And he's beginning to discover that. But he's still the prince. He's like, I'm still like this. But, uh, but, I'm, but he looked in the mirror, and he goes, I'm, I don't look like my Egyptian siblings. I don't look like anybody who's an Egyptian. I, I look like the Hebrews. Now, he dressed, maybe this is how he felt. He dressed like an Egyptian, but he didn't walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> he just couldn't do that. Very well. Those who Google the bangles and walk like Egypt. In fact, that's what I wanted my walk-up music to be. But. So here he is. He saw the Hebrews and how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? What's your problem? Moses said to the one who started the fight. The man replied, who are you to be the prince and judge of us? Right? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? I know what you did last night. Everybody now knows what you did last night. Moses was afraid. Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled the Pharaoh, uh, from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian, who had seven daughters, who came as usual to draw water for, to fill troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up to the rescue to these girls from the shepherds and he drew water for their flocks. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon? Well, an Egyptian. So he's still, in fact, he, he, all he's got is those clothes. An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. And then he drew water for us, watered our flock. Where is he at? Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation, settled there with him. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Moses, the prince of Egypt, on the run. Some, one day, as a 40-year-old man, he walks, wakes up and says, hey, I think I'm going to leave the palace for a little while and look around. You know what happens when you leave the palace? You see injustice. You stay in the palace, you never see that. It's only when we leave the palace, when we begin to see the, the injustice of our world. I grew up in a fairly modest home in Lincoln, Nebraska. I went to a brand new school, Lincoln East High School. And so we, we didn't have a lot of money, but we, we didn't see a lot of poor people. We didn't know anything about that. I didn't know that there was poor people in Lincoln, Nebraska. I didn't know. I thought, I thought everybody was like us. Not struggling. Graduated from college. And my first full-time ministry job was in Scottsdale, Arizona. If you've ever been to Scottsdale, you understand that it's full of beautiful palm trees 
phenomenal golf courses, big resorts, great restaurants, Rolls Royces and Jaguars. That's where I got to work. I lived in the palace. Well, not really. I did, I did it, but I didn't see any poor people. They were not, I mean, there's a lot of poor people in Arizona, not in Scottsdale. We don't keep, let them in. We shove them out down to Phoenix and Mesa. We have a moat around our palace. So I was a youth pastor at this church in Scottsdale, and one of the things that this church had done was start going to Mexico to build houses with a brand new little organization called Amor Ministries. And so it was my job to organize trips to build houses in Tijuana. Never been to Tijuana. Had no idea that the moment you leave San Diego into Tijuana, it smells like trash. And there are people begging and knocking on my van door to try to get money. And I'm thinking, what is this about? I thought we were just going to go down here to an orphanage and have fun. And I could not stop thinking about these people who were, no kidding, no wonder you want to come over to to the United States of America. You know what happens when you leave Tijuana and go into San Diego? You're at Seaport Village. We're the Good people are. And when there's jobs and hope. I've told everybody I can, you need to go to Mexico and build a house with a moor. I think every American Christian should do that. I think every American high school student should do that. I think we should leave the palace. It's even easy here. We don't have to see poor people out here in West Omaha. We don't. Occasionally. That's why we say, please go with us. Let's leave the palace and go to Open Door Mission just once a month. You know how many people have said to us, I had no idea. I had no idea this was happening in our city. No, we live in a palace. It's until we leave the palace, uh, we, will ne- we will never see the injustice. So Moses leaves the palace and he sees some Egyptians beating on a, on a Hebrew and he takes matters into his own hands. Check what it says here. Uh, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating on his fellow Hebrews. Verse 12, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, right? So he looked, in fact, the text actually says he looked to his left and looked to his right and didn't see anybody, and so he kills the guy. And then buries him in the sand to hide what he had done. So he obviously knew that that was a misstep more than, but he, but he, would, he couldn't stand the thought of what was happening. And so he takes matters into his own hands and he kills this man. C.S. Lewis says that the true test of our integrity Uh, is who we are when nobody is watching. That's who we truly are. See, I kind of think that Moses was supposed to be the deliverer at age 40. 
I don't know that for sure, but you just kind of think maybe that God had got him ready at the age of 40 and he was supposed to step out of the palace and go, oh, okay, okay, we're not going to stand for this anymore. We're not going to enslave these people anymore. I'm the prince of Egypt and we're going to make it different. We're going to change things around. And I know, my, I know he wants different, but we've got to make a difference. But instead of making a difference then at age 40, he kills a man and he runs for his life after he's found out. The next day he goes out and he still wants to be a deliverer. And he sees a couple of Hebrews fighting. And he says, whoa, whoa, what are you guys doing? You're Hebrews. You shouldn't be, you want, let's get along. Why can't we all get along? And, and the, the Hebrew looks at him and says, who are you to make you judge and jury over us? You Hebrew poser. You live in a palace. Easy for you to pronounce judgment on us. We know what you did last night. Are you going to kill us like you killed them? And all of a sudden he is confronted with his sin and his guilt. And he knows that if word gets back to Pharaoh, which it did, that he was going to be in trouble because he's now helping the slaves. And Pharaoh is going to not stand for that. So he makes a good decision and he leaves. Finds his way to Midian, quite a ways away from the reaches of the Pharaoh. There's some women that have come to a well and he helps them out. Once again, they were getting picked on. I don't know if it became in his DNA to just be a person who helped, but he was helping these people. He doesn't kill the shepherds, but he gets rid of them and allows the women to be safe. Dad says, well, why'd you just leave him there? Bring him back. They bring him back. He ends up marrying one of the girls. He settles into a nice little life. Far from the reach of the Pharaoh. But God is not finished with Moses at age 40. Someday had not happened yet for them. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. And again, 40 years has passed. So Moses is 80. Israelites continue to groan under their burden of slavery. And they cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered His covenant promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. What an, here's, history's turning. It's all changing. He heard their cries. He remembers the promise that He made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It, it, it's, now, it's now happening. He looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. Everything was in place. It was, everything was moving forward. It reminds me of another time in which people were crying out, and God says, now's the time. And he calls on a little girl named Mary, who was just a teenager, and says, I need you for such a time as this to... Have a baby boy. I, I, I need a, another deliverer like a Moses who will free everyone from their sin. King of Egypt dies. And God heard and he remembered. He had been preparing Moses all this time. He didn't even know he was being prepared for leadership. He was just a shepherd leading sheep for father-in-law. He had settled into a little life. 
But you kind of have to wonder, did Moses think, is there something else I'm supposed to be doing with my life? I like these sheep, but maybe he listened to the, maybe he was listening to these words. Well, he couldn't have, but he, we were meant to live for so much more, but we lost ourselves. Somewhere we live inside, we have lost ourselves. We want more than this world has to offer. And everything inside screams for a second life. We were meant to live. Misery had finally found a voice. At one time, Egypt had meant a great deal of food and wealth and great living. And instead, it had become a place of slavery and a bondage. And Israel cries out. And God hears and remembers And things were changing. For some of you, you are crying out for help. What had brought you maybe pleasure and a great deal of happiness for a while, maybe just a a release from whatever has brought you bondage, pain, and suffering... You're reeling from that. In fact, you're nervous about all that stuff. You don't exactly you you want to be it, you want it different, but you don't know how to break free. Maybe you're a little bit like Moses, and you've done some things, and you've buried some stuff in the sand, and you're scared to death that somebody's going to find out. And you think it maybe has even disqualified you from any kind of ministry, any kind of service to God. See, we tend to think of Moses as this great leader, but we also forgot that he was a murderer. And you would think that God would say, eh, I'm going I'm to pass on you and find somebody else. But he doesn't. In amazing grace, he says to Moses, I need you now. We're going to learn a little bit more of that next weekend because Moses wasn't quite sure that that was something he should be doing, but... God needed him. For some of you, it's time to leave the palace. It's time to leave the palace. Go with us to Mexico. Build a house with us. Build relationships with people. Get out of your comfort zone just a li- just for a moment. It's, it's basically a weekend. Just go with us there. You want to really go crazy, go to India. Poof. Friday, I went out to Fremont Days on my day off motorcycle. There was people selling butter chicken there. Now, if you don't know what butter chicken is, it's an Indian food, and it smells like India. It's awesome. But everything just came rushing back to me at that moment, thinking, I wonder what my friend David Lal is doing today. Oh, my goodness. And it will mess your heart up. You think, okay, well, those are a little bit extreme. Find your way with us to Open Door Mission. Get out, let's get out of the palace. Let's get with people. Let's be the church. Let's pray. Father God, there's probably some people in here today that are crying out for some deliverance. And you've heard their prayer. And you have 
called their name. And they are here today to say to you, please save me. I'm tired of the chains. I'm tired of being a slave. I'm a child of God. Perhaps some of us in the room have lived a pretty safe and sheltered life and we've all we've known is the safety and the security of a loving home and a and a God who loves us. We've never left our palace. So maybe tomorrow we will decide to take a step and see if we can make a difference in the world. In Christ we pray, amen.